Hey, it's Shastin Rains, and welcome to Crosswalk Church. You're listening to Today's Presence, a podcast in which Pastor Tim hosts conversations about culture, daily life, and what the scriptures have to say. We desire to bring you encouragement and hope during this time. So once you finish this podcast, make sure to visit crosswalkvillage.com to find more information about our church and additional resources from our pastoral team. And hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Sam and Tim, Tim and Sam on today's present. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you doing? I'm good, I'll man. Let me do the intro without interrupting you. I know. I really You're welcome. And see how quickly it goes, and then we're right into it. Yeah. Right, I, don't have right to ch- I don't have to chastise you <laughs> for, for being inappropriately addressing <laughs> the, the dear listener. <laughs> no. what, dear listener, let's, let's ask Tim what he's drinking today. What are you drinking today, Tim? Oh, you know what? I finished it already. Um, so um, literally use the last of the arcade. I'm going to arcade today to pick up a new order because we got something. we got something we're working on. We think me we may do, and I'll just let this out. I don't know when this is going to come out. Um, probably pretty soon, but we're we're trying to work out how to do a uh, a drive by coffee situation. Oh, yeah, like on a, wow. on a on a Sunday morning, maybe. So we could just reconnect. People stay in their cars, but we go out and and curbside it. Um, that's that's yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, so we're working that out. We'd like to see our people again. We just we're not letting anybody in the building yet. It's not time for that. But, yeah. um, but yeah. yeah, we're, so we're working that out. So I'm, I'm swinging by, um, arcade for them to give us a deliver of coffee and oat milk. Cause we've been oh, out of oat milk. Now you're see, now you're making me miss coffee so much right now. Oatly bro. A little, oat, yeah. An oatly cappuccino. Yeah. Man. A cap. Why do it they have, have, why do they have like a, a guy in a, like a bird suit on the Oakley Oatly <laughs> box? Have you seen that? I don't know what that means because it's oat milk. It has nothing to do with birds, as I understand it, <laughs> unless I'm wrong. And well, this is, well, it's, since you're asking questions about it doesn't make sense, why does Arcade have a sign above their door that says Video Town? Oh, dude, that's the best. <laughs> Come on, that's the best because it used to be Video Town. Yeah, I right when I used to live in downtown Riverside, we'd go to Video Town, and it used to be there. And I love the fact that they didn't change it; they just turned the V upside down to be the A <laughs> of Arcade. I love that. I think that's so great, man. Stevie and those guys are clever. They're very clever. Uh, Video Town and Chicken Suits advertising completely different products. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Hey, um, what are you drinking today? Are you teeing it up? I'm, I'm teeing it up with uh, some spicy cinnamon tea to oh. try to. Get the morning going, but I double bag it, Tim. It's a double bag. It's a double bag morning. <laughs> Those were not the words I was expecting to come out of your mouth. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. It's not spicy enough. So, uh, so some days, some days are double bag. Actually, you know what? The truth is, if if the Good Earth Company is listening, oh, and I'm ooh. sure they are, their executives who's not are around the table right now listening. <laughs> um, I want I want to say this: their new version of their spicy tea, weak mm. weak sauce. Oh wow, weak sauce. Oh wow. Their old version, which I understand has some artificial flavorings in it, which is why they had to redo their uh, you know their recipe. Good. What are they um, called? The good earth? They're not good earth if they're putting plastic <laughs> in your tea. <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't plastic, but it was definitely some chemical that <laughs> that heightened the sense of burning uh, the cinnamon. Um, why don't you put in a little cayenne? Just a little. 
Look, hey, that's a great idea, actually. That's that's what I do with my latte. Just so you know, I make a vanilla latte with a little cayenne. Warms up the throat before I preach. Makes it feel good, <laughs> like it's it counteracts the dairy. Or if I do oat milk, I don't need to counteract the dairy, but I'm counteracting the oats, <laughs> the fiber or something. The oat, oat foam. But it um, But yeah, man, a little cayenne warms up the larynx, as they See, say. Man, people tune in to hear us talk about. They don't even know how much we how much help we give them. It's you just it's, you just gave them the secret to your being able to preach three times on Sabbath mornings. Yeah. You know this how I do amazing. it now? You know how I do it now? Listen, I've really changed the my model for that. Now I just record it and push play three times. Four <laughs> times. It's so much easier. I had no idea. And apparently, people, you actually preached. 5,000 times last weekend. 5,000, who knows? Five, 6,000 maybe, up 20,000 times. Yeah. What I love is that it is that um, Facebook is really good at giving you vanity statistics. Yes. So like you, you, you swing by crosswalk and you watch for three seconds. Thank you. You're now a church member. <laughs> I mean, we've all done it, right? All us pastors are like, it's expanded. The gospel has expanded. <laughs> It went from those monkeys that were in the church now to everybody who's on Facebook and is scrolling past and happens to like somebody says something to them and that it stops on the video and we're like, got him, got him. You know, the great is, commission has been you're, fulfilled. You're, this is this is terrible. You've just basically, if there's any pastors listening who have been fist bumping in the air, glad yeah. that their church has grown by 25%, which by the way, did you know that that's the Barna statistic? That, that everybody's church has grown by 25%? Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. The churches have grown by 25% and it's time to capitalize on these gains. What I what they don't tell you is that in their survey of those, whatever, 10,000 Christians in the country, they didn't ask, how many churches are you sampling from? Yeah. So, so which I think needs to be taken into consideration with that 25% increase. For sure. Listen, <clears throat> no, I think that's really good. I think, and Barna, sweet, sweet Barna. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that statistic. Carrie Newhoff, Newhoff? What is that dude? The leadership yeah, new, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's a There's a lot of extra letters in his last name. <laughs> so I don't exactly know. But I like his stuff. I think his stuff is pretty good. He wrote an article called, you know, let's have an awkward conversation about these statistics. Yes. And it, it, was, it was a good, it was a painful article for those of us who, mm. you know, ooh, I've got a, a thousand views on that service. You know what? Listen, um, the only view that matters is the life that's changed, is the person that listens and goes, hey, that, that means something to me. So, so you know, the 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 medium, the platform that we give it out, praise God for that. I mean, thank God that we had that in the midst of, of this particular crisis. Um, but if, but those statistics, who cares at the end of the yeah. day? I mean, I mean, we're going to use them and we're going to use them for, you know, to help us understand what we're doing. And hopefully that's good. Um, but the only thing that matters is if somebody hears a word that gives them hope that moves them closer to Christ, like, and and out of 10,000 views, that may have been one person, you know? Mm. So, mm. you know, I wonder, there's a part of me also, and this is super mercenary of me, a part of me that's like, do these matter if they're not being monetized somehow, right? Like, when can I put an ad on my church service to start making money? <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, ah, oh, that's weird. Are we doing everything? Like, you know, 
and I'm sure people will listen to this and be like, oh, he's a horrible pastor. And I want to just uh, affirm something. Um, I've said that a lot. I'm not good at this. <laughs> hey, I have, a, I have a strange technical question uh, for you. So let's say that your YouTube um, replay of a service on Sabbath gets, I don't know, the 50,000 views. Does YouTube automatically start, you know, dropping in advertisements, random advertisements for, I don't know, for laundry detergent or, do you know what I'm talking about? The, the, yeah. Um, yeah. the ads that drop into videos that have sometimes nothing to do yeah, you're actually about to watch. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how any of that works. I'm. <laughs> I'm. I'm completely ignorant. I have people to do that for me, and they're young people who are bright and amazing and keep saying words that I don't understand. And it's it's those moments when we have those conversations right now about the technology we're using. And I've always tried to be like you know cutting edge, tip of the spear when it comes to technology. I'm very much like I don't, I don't know. Can we? Like even about this podcast, because we're approaching, I guess, 5,000 downloads. We have over 1,500 listeners now, which Can is phenomenal. That? Thank you, guys. That's amazing. I cannot. That's incredible. That's am- and most of it. you have probably forgotten that you've subscribed. So just ignore your podcast when it updates. <laughs> we're, we're grateful for the fact that it, you know. I subscribe to a lot of stuff that I forget about. <laughs> you, I, I wish we could say the same as warmly as you said a minute ago, that the mission, the mission is to change a life. And that one person transformed is really the measure of success of a crosswalk broadcast on weekends. I, I wish we could say that about this podcast too. Um, um, but maybe it is. Who knows? Maybe it is. Yes. Listen, for me, the point of this podcast is, it, here's what's funny, right? We just talked for an hour before That's we started true. this, which we probably should have pushed record on. But we were, we were just catching up yes and having some some great conversation and then we're like oh now we've got a topic we need until, to talk about until i realize that i've got to go to work in a few minutes and, right and um so for to- me the point of this podcast has always been man this is this is the best conversation i'm going to have all week and i know i've said Aww. this a bunch um Tim, no not because of you because of the, you, because of the way you listen to me that's why <laughs> <laughs> it's not because of what you say it's because of the way that you make me feel when I say what I want to say. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the truth is, first of all, you're a very good listener. I've always appreciated that. Um, but second of all, thank you. This this is like Am I really a good listener? So so we I, I talk- just interrupted you to make a point, but anyway, continue. Sorry. No, you are you are a good listener. I think everybody knows that. No, I'm it was my joke was that I interrupted you. You said I'm a good listener. You never mind, move on. I'm also I'm also very funny. I'm clever. You're not nearly as I'm, funny as you, as you think you are. <laughs> if you you know that if you have to explain a joke to the person you're giving the joke to, it's not nearly as good. No, what I was gonna say is um oh man, what was I gonna say? What I was gonna say was um, you know, the to me the point of this podcast is I want other people to know. I'd love to have other people experience the same kind of conversations that I get to have with you mm-hmm. and with other people. And like, I love the interviews and all that stuff. I think that's great. I, what I appreciate the most, we used to have, right. So should we tell so, the history of these conversations? Yeah, because, real quick, yeah. real quick. So years ago we thought, Hey, let's do a podcast <clears throat> from here to there. Remember that from here to there. Is that what from we're there to here from th- either way? It was bad. Failure. It was a fail. It was a failure. Fail and we made like three. Did we have three? Yeah. I think somebody has those. I have them. Do you have them? We're never yep. going to release those. <laughs> I remember recorded in a noisy Denny's restaurant. Yeah, I remember we talked one time for like two hours on camp, <laughs> which that's a, that's a crime. 
Um, I think there's one person who listened to him. We, re- we, I think we released one or two. And But what we didn't stop doing is we didn't stop meeting at that Denny's. Yeah. And over the years, we would, we would, and our wives would call it, you guys are on a mandate. Yeah. And I always thought they were saying, it's a mandate that you go speak to each other. You know, it's like funny. I did too. Yeah. No. And that's then my wife's like, no, it's a man hyphen date. You have a date with a man. <laughs> I was like, oh, you've been, you've been derogatory towards me this whole time. I thought, I thought you were like, you need this, honey. Go and enjoy time with talking with your okay, friend. Okay, but you know what? But just since you touched on that for a moment, let me just say that my, my dear spouse, Shelly, would always say, uh, no, you need you need this time. Like she was about to make a, a great sacrifice and handle the family on her own so that I could go on this mandate. But the truth is, we would meet like at 10.30 at night and be there until 1 a.m., way past everyone's bedtime. Well, so my wife was never, usually asleep. Yeah, she was asleep when I left. Yeah, we, we never stole from our family's time by doing these mandates. So no, it's true. So, so yeah, so... Um, but, the, you know, but the the... The, the, if I may, yeah, because you know we're preachers and we always try to draw applications from our ramblings. Oh yeah. Uh, the the principle in this, I think, that's important, has been invaluable to me, Tim. Um, not just our friendship, but the how how I look forward to those meetings is incredible. Uh, to me, they were like an oasis, mm-hmm. uh, a conversation that was life giving, and how I wish everyone would have that. Um, yeah a friendship or conversation partner, somebody that can challenge you when you do, or someone that can you can be accountable to, someone you can pray with, someone that can you can say things to that's like a lightning rod that you know you need to just discharge this yeah. amount of electricity you're carrying around and, and that person can handle it and won't walk away, you know. Right. And somebody you, can, somebody you can laugh with, even if you're kind of inappropriate in the way that you're laughing, yes. right? Because like, yes. especially, especially when you're in a position of like leadership and you got to be this thing. And, you know, in pastoral ministry, you get a lot of that, you know, like every time somebody says Pastor Tim, it's always like a reminder of like, oh, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor and everybody views that differently. And, you know, um, and so I always appreciated, mm. and this started way back in the band, right? in seminary, when we started playing music together, we, we had those opportunities. We'd travel and we had those opportunities. So, so over the years, that mandate was exactly, Oasis is a really good word. In the midst of everything, there was a moment you could go sit and, you know, kind of let it go. And so for me, the, the point of this podcast has always been, these are great conversations. I think other people would be interested, even if nothing else, in the way that to to, you know, leaders and, and men of God and people who have ha- have a little gravity. We've been old enough, you know, and done some things. We've got a little gravity. Um, hey. how, how we interact with one another. I Let's stay on this, can we? And maybe we can just yeah. Um, yeah. come back to the other subject um, right. in a second short, short episode. Right. Tim, what do you think it does to a leader that doesn't have this kind of connection? What do you think happens oh. to a person? So what are the consequences of not... Um, look, these are some cliche things that I know they're probably the first chapter in every leadership book, <laughs> but, um, some of these things we have lived, right. And we have witnessed and we have firsthand experience with, mm-hmm. uh, what does it do to a leader that doesn't, I don't know, that doesn't, doesn't have this kind of thing happening in their life. So, so right. Everybody, every leader takes on a bit of what I would like to call the pressure cooker, right. Hmm. 
and I don't know if you know how a pressure cooker works, and I don't know that I necessarily do, but it seems that you, you know you, that I own in, an instant pot. Okay, so yeah, which by the way, those are that's another discussion. Amazing. Yeah, until they're not. Have you ever tried to make a pot roast in them? No, I am a vegetarian. No, you're not. Well, I aspire. I would like to posit that not eating meat in between meals is not being a vegetarian. (laughs) Because if that's the measure, then I'm a vegetarian too. The moment I don't eat meat. (laughs) Listen, I get up every morning with this. It's an aspirational statement. I am a vegetarian. Right, until you come over to my house. So go back to the pressure cooker thing. So, so like you it. know, I think, I think if I can use this metaphor, what we do is when we take on these, these levels of leadership, like we lock the lid and the, the pressure goes up and it goes up and it goes up. And everybody, everybody, you know, you live under that pressure and some days are really full and some days are not as full. You know, sometimes you feel that pressure acutely and sometimes it's just this kind of low whistling that's behind you, if I can push this metaphor a little bit more. Um, everybody in their life has <clears throat> has to or will have, I would say, a way to release that pressure. Right? Mm-hmm. That, the way to release that pressure is going to be healthy or unhealthy. And too often, especially when it comes to leaders in faith because of the expectation, they don't have safe places to release that in healthy ways. And yeah. so when they're alone not feeling secure that they can share what's going on in their head. And let's like, let's be real about it. Sometimes like you need to walk outside and you need to say the thing that you couldn't say in the other meeting because of who you are and what you're supposed to be. And you need to have a place to let that go. It's not always healthy to do it on our spouses or our families because they need to know, like, you know, they need to have a little bit of the mystery of, of the church and of, of you know the people in the church and that sort of thing um so so we have to have places we have to have places where we can release that valve and if we don't it's gonna it's gonna be released in some really unhealthy um and really you know detrimental ways yeah you know and the and when you say stuff like this it sounds i know what it sounds like to people who haven't lived in the in in some of the everyone lives in a pressure cooker of some sort right for sure but there's like a there's a specific pressure cooker level, if I may keep using your your uh, metaphor. Is it a metaphor or analogy? It's You're a, hitting it's a, it's a brilliant analogy. <laughs> I thought you I thought you were going to say brilliant, and then you just said analogy, and I felt disappointed. To go back to your brilliant analogy, now about, when you say it, it sounds this, like pity. This, <laughs> The setting for people who live a public life, especially with the the mantle of spiritual leadership added to it, mm-hmm. is way higher. Yeah. And when you say something like, I I can't say some things in a meeting or in a public forum or a platform or stage, um, I have to be able to say things in private. It almost sounds like we're being disingenuous or right. that that <laughs> that you're being uh, a different kind of like you have different faces for whatever situation you're in. And I don't think that's at all what we're saying. I think there's a, there's a, um, the responsibility of leadership sometimes require that you um, don't say everything that's on your mind, which is a, a leadership lesson that lots of young people I have been around <laughs> don't quite grasp. You know, lots of old people I've been around don't quite grasp. You don't have to say everything you're thinking all the time. 
Right. And that's just, just just wisdom, by the way. It's not disingenuity. It's wisdom. Why is it? I think it was you that told me once. Um, people don't need to know everything you are thinking. No, how is it? You said um, people don't need to know everything you believe. Exactly. That's how you said it. And by the way, that was told to me as I was driving out to seminary. As I was leaving the leaving the driveway, my dad runs down the driveway, knocks on my door, and he goes, "Hey." You don't have to tell everybody what you believe. Everybody doesn't need to know what you believe. And I'm like, that's the dumbest piece of advice. Thanks, dad. And then I got to seminary and about two weeks in, I was like, oh, okay. That's why. Because I said something and this guy turned around and goes, where are you from? And I was like, oh, California. He's all, I thought so. And turned around <laughs> very arrogantly. And I was like, what is, what? I didn't even Tim, know what that meant. It took a while to exegete that. I have, I have never heard you tell me when that when your dad said that to you, I've heard you say it, mm -hmm. but I've never, I never knew it was, it sounds like almost like a, could he have texted you that or emailed it to you? No, he chose to, oh, there was no texting. In I place. was going to say, dude, it was oh. 19, it was 1995. <laughs> nobody was texting anybody. I think I had a pager and you can't put that on the pager. <laughs> you remember our, Sky, our Skytel pagers? <laughs> I remember the $700 bill I got because we were texting each other so much when we first got them. <laughs> I do remember that. Oh, uh, Sky Skytel pagers, look it up. Google it, all of you under the age of 40. You don't even know what you're about to find out. Yeah, it was the dead. worst. Yeah, but what a, what, a, what, an incredible, what a sense of urgency he had to run after you to tell you that. And, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was disingenuity. And what I realized later on is that it's wisdom. Because a couple of reasons, right? First of all, every thought that goes through your head and every belief that goes through your head as it goes through may not be vetted, yeah. you know? Like if I say every, and, and just for the record, of, of most of the people I know, I have been told that I communicate the most aggressively and I say what's on my mind more than most people. True, affirmed. Is that right. Too, was that too much truth to well, say you, true to that? You got really close to the microphone to say it. That's, <laughs> that's disconcerting. I want it to sound... Yeah. <laughs> no, the reason the reason why for me is not not because I'm so aggressive. It's because I have no internal monologue. Like my mind doesn't work inside. <laughs> like I have to say it, and then I go, "Oh, that's what that sounds like." That was probably not the best thing, which has caused me some problems in life. Um, I, I'm actually not nearly as aggressive as I come across sometimes. I think, but um, no, the wisdom of it is in in leadership. You have to choose your battles. You can't yell all the time or else, you know, you won't live to fight another day or people will stop listening to you. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of people don't know that because they're screaming about everything. And after a while it becomes this, you know, this, this megaphone that nobody wants to listen to. So the older you get, the longer you do this, you, you find, you find ways to say what needs to be said in the way that it needs to be said so that it can make an impact and make influence. Right. Yeah. And, but, but when it comes to who you are personally, there are times that, that you've got to release that pressure in life. And there's also this added layer when it comes to spiritual leadership, I believe, because, because the criticism is so personal. Yeah. Right? Nobody ever says, like, I've preached stinkers, right? Just bad sermons. I'll fully admit that. And, and I've preached them. And sometimes in the midst of them, I think, man, this is good. This is awesome. And then I go back and listen to it and realize, no, oh, that was horrible. And then other times in the midst of preaching a bad sermon, you realize it's a bad sermon and you just want to get out. And you, you know, the rest <laughs> of the last 10 minutes of the sermon is finding a way to, to walk away from what everything you had just said, like that happens sometimes. 
Unfortunately, uh, the criticism you get for that, like if somebody walks out and goes, hey, not your best. Like, cool, uh, you're right. Like didn't, didn't put in enough time, didn't do the right research, whatever. That's fine. But unfortunately, the criticism that comes is you're not fit for the pulpit. Are you trying to send people to hell? You don't know your, like it's, it's this unreasonably personal and intimate yeah. criticism of a faith leader because A, we, I guess we were supposed to have it perfect. And B, oh, I didn't agree with you. So I must be a tool of the devil, which is a dangerous trope we need to stay yeah. away from. Um, and, and so as I think a lot of spiritual leaders become incredibly gun shy about telling people what they feel or what they think because the criticism is so harsh and so fast and so unreasonably personal. Yeah. Um, there, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, go, go ahead. No, finish. No, no, no. Finish. I was, I don't know what I was going to say. Well, what I was going to say for, for folks who don't live in the world of homiletics, preaching, expository, uh, preaching, researching, on a weekly basis, the even for the best of you, because I'm gonna say you, uh, um, the process of preaching is such a vulnerable, mm -hmm. such a vulnerable act. Yeah. Um, and I I think just because you sound confident on a platform uh, doesn't mean that you're not making yourself open and vulnerable. And I wish people knew how the 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 minutes after a sermon. It's really not the place to come over and drop your critique or negative critique. I think I think an affirmation that says, hey, you blessed me today, awesome. Then go home, write an email about some point you didn't like, send it on Tuesday or on a Sunday morning or whatever. The moments right after a sermon um, are probably the worst time to negatively critique a, a pastor who just preached. Um, it is a really, it's almost like a, I'm looking for a brilliant analogy like yours. You know that you know that lobsters have to leave their carapace oh, wow. in order to inhabit a different one day. And those few moments between when they left their old shell and go to the new shell are when they are the most vulnerable in their life. Um, it's kind of the same way, you know. That's not the wow. time. That's good. I would like to use the word brilliant, not in pity as you used it for me, <laughs> but in, in affirmation of what a good analogy. That's really good. I want to say something about, about your long, I'm not going to call it ramble because it was brilliant observation. Like in all of your observations are Why inspired. would you bring up that word if you're not going to call it that? <laughs> That's it was, disingenuous. So the this the thing you said about you being the 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 blunt truth teller I don't know is that how you I think you use different languages I'm paraphrasing now, um, it's true. But here's what us we your friends and your close circle of friends, um, have you guys come talking, to. You're talking about me? Oh, heck, I'm not there. Heck yeah, good. You're I'm making a an imp frequent. I'm making an impact then. <laughs> <laughs> you um. And this is true, I think this is true, all joking aside, this is true about uh, every friendship. You go to the people who will tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. Even if you know the truth is going to hurt. The truth, will, the, truth, the truth will set you free, but sometimes it has to hurt first. <laughs> right. Um, and I think that's what uh, lots of us have come to trust about you. Um, and you and I were talking about a difficult situation before we began to record that um, you've, you've dealt with recently where someone came to you because they knew, you know what, uh, everyone everyone is is dancing around the truth. I need somebody to just name it, and you did. 
that's what you that's why I think I can trust you um with with um conversations that I know need to hold me accountable. If there's a place of accountability in my life, except for when you critique how I dress. That's the only part I think you get wrong. Well, you you had like six years of just I'm gonna dress like from a thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> which which I get and there's some like I get it but there are moments that you look like I was very proud of my wardrobe it was I a, know it was unreasonable no but I contributed zero to the earth like this it was the most environmentally conscious six years mm-hmm. of my life while driving a Ford Explorer pure and my 1995 Ford Explorer right which which of course is not a gross polluter um you're right actually i never i was gonna but but i appreciate listen i appreciate you trying to alleviate one end of the carbon footprint (laughs) right you also were traveling all over the world to speak everywhere as as you know a thrift store shopper and (laughs) so i don't know if we want to get into the math of this i I let myself go a bit yeah i remember there was there was a season where i grew my beard long and my hair long and i was wearing and I may have I may have called you a heroin addict when you introduced me in chapel at La Sierra, which may not have been my most shining moment, but it was just truth bringing. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Sam. And this is what I've always appreciated about certain relationships in my life. And certainly our relationship has been, you know, you, you allow me in a safe way to release that pressure. Hmm. Right. And, and that's what, that's what all, all people need. You need a safe spot, Right. I think the term that people use now is like, I need my person. Um, your family is that in, in a phenomenal way, of course. But there's also, I think there's this parallel kind of, kind of path that you need somebody who kind of understands what you're doing. I, I find myself, I was talking to a dentist yesterday and he was like, everyone he referenced was a dentist. And I was like, do, do you only hang out with dentists? And he's like, he's, they're the only people I can talk about a root canal with that really understand what I mean. I find the same thing with leaders and particularly spiritual leaders because that's the world that we live in. And so you kind of have to surround yourself with like, not just like-minded people, but people who understand the context so you don't have to explain it. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I've said things to, to church members or whatever, and they've, they've been like put back on their heels. Like, how can you say that? You're a pastor. And I'm like, oh, that's right. You, you don't understand where all this is coming from. Yeah. And I've actually done damage and had to like repair some of that work because they just didn't understand the context from which I was speaking. Because, I mean, we're, we're, we're spiritual leaders, but we're human beings. We're men. We're fathers. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're husbands. And, and sometimes we're just, you know, as insecure as anybody else. And sometimes we're as angry as anybody else yeah. about certain yeah. things. And, and having to be measured all the time is exhausting. It is. If that's not your personality, especially. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it it's can be fatiguing for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think about this in a, in a, this is, this is just a, this will timestamp this, but, um, you know, yesterday, Yesterday, well, in the news cycle this week, you know, in what is it, is it Minneapolis? Um, mm. You know, uh, uh, a man was killed with a knee on his neck, right? Mm-hmm. I have to come up with my measured response. And I'm just in shock that that could happen, that we have, that we have an America where that can happen, happens a lot, right? Um, I know that there are, there are 
different experiences of America that I do not understand at all. And the fact that there was, there's a, for whatever reason, there is a system that this person felt like they could keep their, their knee on someone's neck and, and not, first of all, the, the, no one said stop. No one said stop. People in the same uniform around him didn't say, yeah. Hey, Hey, stop. Right. And I am, I am, you know, righteously indignant also recognizing the fact that, you know, I, my particular vantage point, you know, a, a white middle-aged male doesn't allow me to, you know, I want to acknowledge my privilege that, that I don't fear that when I go out in the same way that my African-American brothers and sisters do. That's not okay. That's not right. I have guilt because of that. You know, I have, I have anger because of that. I want to find a, a way to say that that is somehow forwarding, you know, a positive agenda through this. So, so some sort of, you know, helping people through this while at the same time, I'm just angry before we even got, I came into the office at four this morning and I sat for a half hour on my computer, just trying to come up with a Facebook post hmm. that, that says what I want it to say but at the same time doesn't alienate everyone because I am so shocked. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so, you know, that, that's a frustration because I don't get to just say what I want to say. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why when we, we talked for an hour and that was part of our conversation because I could say what I want to say, get it out in the way that I want to say it. And now I can go back and say, okay, how, how do I not wordsmith this, but how do I, how do I give something that gives people hope in the midst of it when I don't necessarily see that? Yeah. It's, this is the, your public response uh, needs to be a pastoral shepherd response that sometimes can't be your, your own personal, deeply disturbed and unsettled response that, you know, that makes that, um, yeah, that, that doesn't sound very pastoral and that's what people don't want to hear. I'll tell you right now. Um, uh, and that's, I think what um, a trusted person you can actually call and say, use language you would not use into a microphone right. from a pulpit. You can say that too. Right. And, um, and, and just dear listener, just so you know, it's not like we were completely off the rails, but um, we do, there are moments where, especially as Tim and I were talking earlier this morning about this thing that had happened. Um, <laughs> we are, as you said, Tim, men, human, um, fathers, and we are citizens of the same nation, the same country. And sometimes we have to shout things that um, some people would find unpastoral um, and, and, and we, we do it in the appropriate places and, uh, um, and with people we trust. Right. That's what this friendship means. That's, that's why yeah. this, this conversation has been life-giving to us. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that, and I think every leader would, would feel this no matter what is said, and this is one particular topic, right? There's lots, um, that, that we speak on no matter what's said, there's going to be somebody who takes umbrage at what we say on this side and somebody who takes umbrage at what we say on that side. So the pressure of that is pretty significant yeah. as well, you know, and, 
Because there's not a lot of good faith in the world right now, I feel like. Oh, no. No, everything's politicized. Everything. Yeah. Oh, uh, the uh, this will be politicized. The maybe our, our statements right now, someone's dividing, and this is the problem with the political atmosphere right now is that it is dividing everything. Yeah, it divides families, it divides communities, it divides the nation, it divides that there's no issue. I can't think of one that doesn't divide us right now. Yeah, and depending on how you approach it, you are on one side or the other. Um, that's the, the tragedy of the current atmosphere, and it, and it makes us, um, it makes us unable to really talk honestly with each other. Right. And, you know, it's unfortunate because, and, and I think this is, I think the, the false binary of left and right and, and you, know, you know, us and them, I, I think that's a false binary that, that is evil, that is sin. Yeah. Because, you, you know, when you, listen, what happened with George Floyd was wrong. No way about it. That doesn't mean I'm anti-law enforcement. Yeah, exactly. Right, but, but what happened here is wrong. I, I so appreciate law enforcement and I've seen them, I've been on ride-alongs, I've seen de-escalation, I've seen amazing men and women walking into situations that I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't manage and they have they have handled things with grace and and with incredible wisdom and incredible thoughtfulness. Hmm. I don't think this is representative of everyone in any way shape or form. I also know that this was wrong. We shouldn't live in a world where calling this as inhumane and as as not only just tragic but evil means that I'm indicting everything. Come on people, be smarter than that. We have to be more thoughtful yeah. than that. Know that there's not a false binary. It's not just it's not just us and them. And Christianity says that. Jesus says that it is us and God. That's what it is. Hmm. And that should break down those binaries. And and my call as a Christian in the midst of this and as a Christian leader should be to help people understand. We've got to hear other voices. We've got to be able to to understand what our brothers and sisters are going through on this side and what our brothers and sisters are going through on this side. We should have a more expansive view. Yeah. You know, the anger that I feel is not just towards this one situation. It's towards this, the world that we live in right now that says you can't think discerningly and critically through this. You can't be somewhat of this and somewhat of that. You are labeled one way or the other. And I mean, I, even, even the term Christian has become so politicized that I, I hardly want to use it anymore. And we are way off topic on what we started. No, this is it. Stay, stay on it. Stay but, on it. But I, but I am frustrated. I am I am frustrated that that we won't that we won't sit and reason together and that that the first place I go to respond is a is a you know 140 word 140 <clears throat> character, character click clip that 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 quite honestly diminishes what's really happening and what I really think because that's what yeah. I was doing this morning, right? I'm trying to find some some really thoughtful, impactful way to say something in three words or less. I need a month. Yeah. I need a I I need I need meal after meal. I need worship service after worship service. I need sermon after sermon. I need book after book to unpack what's really happening. Yeah. You know, and so so when people are frustrated that I don't say enough, it's because there's not enough room. Because I don't know all the time. 
Yeah. We, it, which happens a lot. People frustrated that, that you don't say enough or that anyone with any kind of platform doesn't say enough. Um, the problem is that they haven't been listening over the last year. Right. That we're constantly at work trying to say enough and that just because we don't post something immediately that puts us in the right category of people who have spoken out doesn't mean that we're not right. uh, speaking out. Um, what a, um, but I also think we need to name yeah. the how the division causes a leader of a large movement congregation um, to have to spend so much time measuring every word because you know how it will be perceived and how it'll be spun and how it'll divide. And um, we should be able to say there's, there's a deep, deep injustice, deep problem. There is a profound, um, I am, it's, we're, we've reached a desperate time in our, this is a desperate hour. When someone someone dies under the knee of another person, and we can't say that that's wrong, right? Without in our head, in our in the back of our mind, thinking who's not going to like that comment, right? Who's gonna Who's gonna have something else? Who's gonna have a rebuttal to that comment? Right. And it and it'll take just hours or maybe days for an an entirely new narrative to emerge mm -hmm. about how. This is justified behavior. I mean, I and I kept thinking as I read that headline, Tim, by the way, about how a, a cruiser, where I let me just give you a little glimpse, uh, listener. I sit when I'm recording these things, I sit at my garage, it's my garage essentially. I converted a garage into uh, my home office, and I have these, these huge windows that I look out into the driveway and in the, in the front street. And I live in an area where, where police cruisers come through a lot. I, at least once a day, I see a police cruiser go by. I have never thought negatively about, I've never had a sense of dread or fear or wondering what's going on. I have always had nothing but a sense of security, comfort, and warm feeling that police officers are patrolling my neighborhood. But that is not the experience of, of a whole lot of people in this, in this world. Right. Um, that is a symbol that represents what we, I mean, it's what we saw yesterday. That's how they interpret it. And we have got to be able to say there's bad apples everywhere. There's um, wrongdoing everywhere without fearing the, I mean, can't, can't we just, can't we just name that? Right. <clears throat> well, let's, let, let's. First of all, I want to, like, I, I'm not, I'm not oppressed because I, I want to be thoughtful in the way that I talk. Like, I want to be clear on that. Like, I don't feel like I'm oppressed and I'm, you know, um, but let, let's back it off of this issue. Let's, let's talk about so something that seems like some, something that seems as innocuous as, you know, masks in a pandemic. Right. Um, even even we live in a world right now where masks are even politicized. And I was in Lowe's the other day and it was fascinating to me because you can sense the tension 
maybe it was just me, but you sense the tension of people who walk in. In San Bernardino, we don't have to wear masks. Some stores tell you you do. Apparently, Lowe's doesn't. Um, I was wearing one. Um, somebody, a, a few people came walking through, and I actually heard conversations of like, "Hey, man, why are you wearing a mask? You don't need to anymore." Oh wow. And, and there was kind of an aggression. I felt like a little bit of an aggression, but it also went the other way. There were people who were wearing masks who were shaking their heads as people were walking by not wearing masks. And there, there was this like heightened tension. I've got to think about opening a church, right? And, and in, we've made some statements about this and I think we'll talk about this in, in another podcast, but, but I'm thinking of, okay, I got a 23 year old who just wants to greet people at the front door, right? That's all they want to do, be hospitable. Um, we're going to, our conference is requiring everyone to wear masks. We like to be compliant on, on, you know, the authorities that give us things. And we have physicians that we've worked with that have said, listen, the mask, even if it doesn't stop everything, statistically, it's a little better for you, especially if you're asymptomatic, you will not give it to people as readily if you wear a mask, right? So the act of wearing a mask is actually an act of compassion, even more than it is protective, just so you know. I think at least that's the science that's out there right now. If you are asymptomatic and you wear a mask, you are less likely to give it to somebody else. We have a very diverse congregation. There are people who are immunocompromised um, who will probably choose to come to church. We have to think about how we do this. And so it seems to me that one of the, the most gracious things you can do is wear a mask for other people just on the off chance that you don't have it. That has become so politicized. My fear is that there's some 22-year-old wonderful person standing at the door and someone walks in and goes, I don't have to wear a mask. And thinks of it as a political statement of freedom rather than an act of Christian compassion to wear a mask. And then this young person is the one who has to deal with this. Because they will bring, we will bring our politics into the church, right? We're going to. And... And I'm not saying that the person who's not wearing a mask doesn't have a right to think the way that they think. Yeah. But if, if, if that's what's going to happen, I don't want to open my church. Yeah. It's not my church. I keep saying that. I don't mean to, but there's some decisions <laughs> I have to make about this particular parish. Well, it is your church. You pastor it. You can say that. Well, I don't think you were saying in the possessive. In no, the I possessive. don't. I, I hope you understand that. But, but, I have real fear that this is something because somebody who might not be as sensitive and and very and might be very strident about what they believe to be a political agenda and freedom, mm. right? May may think, well, this health concern is not real. I don't believe in it. Come in and then, okay, what do we do? I got to kick people out of a church when one of our main statements is that we want to be a community of belonging. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is complicated and we're going to have to weather this storm and figure out a way forward. And there are going to be people who agree with me and people who disagree with me and the decisions that we make as a church, as a board, as a leadership team. Um, So all that to be said, and again, I'm not oppressed. I'm really blessed in my life. I, I, you know, I I don't want to oppress. I didn't mean oppressed. No, you didn't. You didn't. But I want, I don't want anybody to think that I'm just complaining because my life is so hard. My life's pretty good. Right. But when it comes to leadership, if you don't have places where before we turn on the microphone, and we've been pretty honest through this, but if we don't have places where before I turn on the microphone, before I step into a pulpit, before you step into the leadership role that you're called to, we can't process this in a way that needs to be processed really kind of honestly and deeply with frustration coming out, with laughter, with tears. If I don't have that, then what's going to happen is I'm going to I'm going to be further and further away from my 
public persona, if you will, and yeah. find and find more and more ways to release that pressure privately. In unhealthy ways. And in unhealthy ways. And we have seen this over and over specifically in faith leaders. Yeah. Because they didn't have a place where they could go, you know what? Screw this in whatever yeah. language they want to use just yeah. to get it out and get through it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as we wrap this up, some takeaways. Um, I will I'll say this, that... <clears throat> that um, my recommendation is that um, you, dear listeners, if you don't have someone like this, the we didn't spend enough time on consequences, Tim. And maybe what I noticed in faith leaders who either walked away, maybe made some decisions that were so damaging to themselves, their families, their communities, um, is that they had a there was a there was a track, there was a long history of lack of accountability. Mm-hmm. I actually have had leaders say to me, how come no one said anything to me? How yeah. come there was no one who, who said, hey, this, this behavior is probably, or these decisions are probably gonna cause a lot of pain and regret in the future. Um, so I, I will say, find, find somebody if you don't have one yet, that's critical. It's a critical move for you today. Mm-hmm. Find a Denny's. Mm-hmm. Uh, choose a time that doesn't have to be 10.30 like you and I used to choose, Tim, <laughs> or 11 a.m., 11 p.m. And now it's um, 5, a, 5 a.m. We must be hey, getting older. <laughs> do you remember Do you remember the cycles we would go through when you would sometimes order a salad uh-huh. without dressing? Mm-hmm. And I would be on my French fries and a burger and mm-hmm. coffee. And then I would, then it would swap. <laughs> I'd be eating toast without anything on it. <laughs> And you'd be in your steak. And I think you got hot water. Just to be clear, I never ordered a steak at Denny's. That's a crime against humanity and all nature. I don't think that should ever happen. But yeah, I remember when, I, what it was, it, the one that always got me is we both want milkshakes. Yes. But we wouldn't get them, wouldn't get them. And finally, it'd be like, getting one? Are you it'd getting be one? like 12.45 in the morning. We're both tired. We're like, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a milkshake. <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay, me too. <laughs> oh, the vices that we have. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, this is critical move for everyone today. If you don't have this, yeah, everybody um, should get a milkshake. Is that what you're? Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Um, listen, Sam. Thank you for this conversation. This was not what was planned. And um, hey. Listen, we're processing this. If we offended, maybe that's all right. Um, if you resonate, we hope it's helpful. And, um, you know, if it killed, what is this, 42 minutes or whatever, then, you know, we hope you had a good run on whatever treadmill you're running on. No, at the end of the day, you got to make sure you find, you got to find the people that allow you to be you and process however honestly and raw that is. And also will help lift you up so that you can process through it not just to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this is uh, Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim. And uh, get your day going. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.